Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Our interview today was so much fun to conduct, and I know that you will enjoy listening to this interview. But before we hear from Reverend Victor Jackson sharing some excellent wisdom about commitment to the call and how he dealt with some uncertainty in his life, I want to let you know that you can step into your future. The Indiana Bible College Distance Learning Program equips people who are passionate about their call to ministry and prepares them for the work of God. The Distance Learning Program makes this training accessible to anyone, anywhere. For only $99 a month, you can complete your degree, continue studies, earn an associate in biblical studies or an additional Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies, or just earn a certificate of study to schedule your meeting or to find out more information, visit www.ibcdl.com. Visit www.ibcdl.com and you can get all of that information right now. Here is our interview with Reverend Victor Jackson. Enjoy. Well, Brother Victor Jackson, all the way from where at in Florida? Bellevue, Florida. Bellevue, Florida. You dodged a hurricane in order to get here to Indianapolis, and we are very glad that you're on the Indiana Bible College podcast. Welcome, sir. What a privilege to be here. Little Bellevue, 1.8 square miles, 4,500 people. I immediately evacuated. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> Glory to God. Yeah. Well, again, welcome to the IBC podcast. And we've got a couple of questions here that we want to jump into. So everyone thinks they know Victor Jackson. They've they heard... Uh, the NAYC sermons, they've heard the HYC sermons, they've heard uh, the conference sermons that you've preached, but give us a little picture of what Victor Jackson was like uh, as a young man kind of growing up and then going on into college. Um, You know, uh, my upbringing uh, wasn't ideal. Uh, I I didn't get saved till I was 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I never had the opportunity to go to youth camps, uh, wasn't involved in youth camps. You know, by the time I got saved, that was just like yeah. youth camps was, over yeah. type deal. <laughs> Nobody 19-year-olds, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no 19-year-olds 19 19 year old. go to it, youth camps. Exactly. Camp. You know, the only thing I, I could do to be involved in a youth camp was be a counselor, mm-hmm. uh, which I later did. Uh, but uh, my first 19 years uh, of life, uh, I've preached about it uh, openly, you know, uh, different abuse that I was raised in my first 11 years of my life, um, just uh, physical abuse, verbal, emotional, psychological, every type of abuse uh, that you can think of. And so what began to happen with this climate of just really uh, dysfunction, uh, there was two things that I gave myself to to survive. It was really survival uh, tendencies, and that was uh, basketball and education. And so I was gifted in both of those arenas, and uh, both of those things were outlets. Mm -hmm. 
uh, to survive. Those, those were like my places uh, to get some type of affirmation. And so as a result of that, I, I really thrived uh, in, that, in that arena. I thrived in that environment uh, with basketball and uh, gave myself to uh, that sport basketball. Like I said, when I was in the world, I didn't go to parties uh, because I was literally consecrated to that yeah. sport. You know, yeah. I didn't, I never smoked anything, never did drugs, never. It would have hindered your game. Exactly. Yeah. It was like, I got to consecrate myself to this. So never drank, smoked, did any of that. Just gave myself to this sport. Uh, that was just my outlet. And so it was a very uh, flawed, uh, but but I would say uh, zealous uh, individual after God, uh, weird. Uh, I'm still weird, you know. <laughs> we uh, all are. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> and th that was one of the reasons why my wife rejected me later when I pursued her. She was like, "Man, mom, he's just weird. I don't want to talk to him." <laughs> but her mom was like, "Babe, he's a he's a man of God. Give him a chance." And so she started to like my weirdness. So hallelujah. Yeah. But and so I, I, and so I let me on basketball scholarship. Uh, that devotion to my craft uh, led me on basketball scholarship to the College of Central Florida, which was uh, a junior college, the number one junior college in the nation. Uh, and how that works is universities recruit out of the junior college, yeah. and you play a year or two and then transfer a player, a sophomore, uh, play your junior and senior year there. And so, um, but at the same time, in, in the midst of all that, I did have a hunger for God. No one in my family went to church. I would go to church since I was uh, in high school, my freshman year. I would go, actually eighth grade, I would go to church by myself. No one came with me. I would walk to church. Yeah. I just had a hunger for God. Yeah. And so in the midst of all those flaws, uh, basketball and education was my outlet. But somehow God was trying to finagle in to let me become, yeah. let him become my outlet and my source. Yeah. Man, that's incredible. Uh, I love the hunger aspect, you know, like the 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 desire, the drive, almost mm -hmm. for God. But then you used a word that that doesn't often get used when referencing sports because sports uh, have been labeled as entertainment or peripheral. Uh, but consecrate, yeah. bro. Nobody does anything of merit without consecration. True. Uh, I remember it was 1997 in Nashville, Tennessee, at a North American Youth Congress. Ken Gurley preached a message uh, entitled "Just Do It." Clearly, borrowed Nike. Yeah. And he's he said, "Just do it," talking about pursuing the call of God. And he taught. I remember the slide. It was just a basketball, a football, and a, a baseball. And he just had "Just Do It." And he challenged the young people. I was a 13-year-old kid, and he challenged the young people at North American Youth Congress to uh, forsake all of that, that consecration that it requires, and turn it to God. And that was a moment of, of consecration in my life, for sure. That's powerful. And I know, I know there were a lot of kids, uh, young people in Indianapolis in 17, a call to greatness. I, I truly believe that. Uh, there is a lad here, Mark Brown, um, David McGovern in 2015, uh, above all, the call. That kind of recurring theme at youth congresses 
And then youth camps that reiterate that and yeah. HYCs that reiterate that. Uh, man, everybody has that moment of the call. Yeah, that's so exactly right. After, after you figure out, okay, I, I've got this thing, this call, as we call it in, uh, in the apostolic circles, you go into your coach's office, you sit down, and you say, Coach, I'm not going to play ball. What is going on in your brain at that moment in your life? Oh, man. Um, you know, whenever I got back from Youth Congress 2009 in Nashville, uh, I went to my pastor's office and uh, we began to chat. I said, Pastor, God, God has called me, called me to. And in, in 2009, you're how old? I'm 19. 19, okay. And so, and somehow in that meeting, the power of God just hit. And uh, a month later, um, I was, people don't know this, so I'm giving insight. I, I don't get to talk about this. A month later, I was teaching a Bible study to a young lady uh, named Laura. And uh, your Bible study, about 25, 30 people there. And after this Bible study, uh, we wanted to pray for Laura to receive the Holy Ghost and they're praying with Laura and um, and she is just tense she is not responding to anyone's prayer and for the first time in my life I heard God speak to me and God spoke to me everything that she was going through in her life why she's not yielding to the Holy Ghost and I'll and you know when that's your first time I'm only seven months in church (laughs) I know God spoke to me, and so I started to pace back and forth. Is this me? Is this God? Is this me? Is this God? So finally I said, let me just go tell her. I went to go tell her. I went to tell her. She broke down crying. She started speaking in tongues. We baptized her in Jesus' name in the pool in the backyard. Mm -hmm. So I was excited. I was like, oh, well, God used me. This is (laughs) awesome. You know, like God used me. And so that was a Friday. Saturday, I had to go to Tallahassee to play in a college showcase. Uh, we're number one in the nation, starting shooting guard, captain of the team. Bunch of universities are there to come and watch me. Mm-hmm. I play good at this showcase, and uh, a bunch of universities coming up, university coaches and scouts come and talk to me afterwards. And, and man, I'm like, it went well. So Friday, God speaks to me. Yeah. Saturday, I'm being, I was played amazing. I'm yeah. like, oh, this is the best life yeah, ever. Yeah. Well, then Sunday came. And Sunday came, had the church bus oh, go to the Sunday. college campus to go pick up 20 to 25 athletes mm-hmm. and international students to come to church. Had three rows reserved at church for these people from the college, people that I personally had a contact with. They came to service, and in that service, the Holy Ghost was moving. These athletes, six, ten basketball players in the altar, weeping, crying, crying out to God. And I'm praying for them, and I heard that same voice say, Victor, give up basketball. You're done. And you know what, Brother Henderson? I could not deny the voice. Yeah. Because he confirmed it was him that Friday. Yeah. So he used that Friday to prepare me for Sunday. 
Yeah. See, because if my first time hearing him would have been that Sunday, I'd have talked myself out of it. Oh, absolutely, because you had everything going for you. Yeah. You could be in the NBA and have influence. And I mean, you could be the, the Tim Tebow of basketball. You know, who knows, you know, and people say, Victor, would you have gone to the NBA? I tell them, look, it takes a lot of things to go right to go to the NBA. I said, I give myself May because my friend was the best junior college basketball in the nation. Mm -hmm. They just put him in the Florida Basketball Hall of, Team, Hall of Fame. And he went undrafted. So it takes a lot of things to go. Yeah. I said, I said maybe a ten percent chance. I said, but I'm a hundred percent sure that yes. I play professionally somewhere. So yeah. I got friends playing professionally overseas yeah. that are making five hundred k, you know, four hundred k a year. So I would have made a lot of yeah. money. You would have had uh, a lot of influence in those there circles. You go. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. That's exactly right. And so when God spoke to me to give it up. He said, don't even think about it. He said, you're going to preach my gospel to the nations. I never even preached yet. Yeah. So God's telling me to give up something now for something that's coming later. So I just wept and cried. And to get to that point, sorry to make a long story short. No, no, it's okay. Uh, uh, to belabor this. But I went to, in my coach's office, I went on a fast because I'm trying to find out when. When does God want me to give it up? Yeah. <laughs> I went on a fast and then I went to my college coach's office. I said, coach... God spoke to me to give up basketball. He said, son, your brain cells aren't fully developed. <laughs> that was his first words to me. Wow. And, uh, he, and he, he was just flabbergasted. His captain, you know, we're number one in the nations coming in there. But my coach was very understanding. He goes, well, you got to figure out what you want to do, when you want to do it, and, and uh, things like that. He was very understanding, and he was very gracious with me. I just finished that last that last few months of basketball. I didn't even want to be there. But if I'd have gave it up immediately, I wouldn't have had anywhere to stay. I'd have to move back to Louisiana. Yeah. And so I finished the last few months uh, just to have a place to live. Mm -hmm. And then uh, that was just my last year. I told my coach, I don't want any of my letters because there was a box where they give you all the university letters that came in every week. Wow. So it'd be stacked. I said, Coach, I don't want to see any more of my letters because I don't want to be tempted. And so I said, just shut down my mailbox. And, wow. uh, that, and so he was very graceful with me. Just yeah. a few months ago, just back in February, he called me, my coach mm -hmm. from 10 years ago. He called me and said, hey, Victor, we got a 6'10 basketball player from South Carolina that's struggling. I think he needs spiritual guidance. I believe he needs to be baptized in Jesus' name. Wow. I said, okay. And we baptized him in Jesus' name. And so f because of my radical transformation, mm -hmm. That school still knows me. Yeah. I, I still have an incredible influence yeah. on that school. Absolutely. Although, although I haven't stepped foot on that campus, not even three times in 10 years. Wow. And so that they witnessed that radical transformation. And my coach was very understanding later. And just seeing me stick with it the way I am, it just kind of represents the authenticity of what happened. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no doubt God is using you uh, and your ability, your, uh, your switch of consecration mm -hmm. to talk to this generation. And that's kind of what I want to move into next, because you do have the opportunity to speak not only like tonight at Mid-America Renewal Conference, but to young people across the nation. So what do you feel like if you 
had maybe a couple years down the road from this generation, what do you feel like God wants to do uh, in this generation through the young people that are maybe struggling with that? Do we just do it, or you know, is the call to greatness? Uh, like, what what do you see uh, in this generation? Well, <clears throat> it's just kind of like what we've been talking about about consecrating yourself to something. That's setting setting yourself apart unto you know you're 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 separated from the world unto the Lord. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not enough to be separate from the world. Exactly. You have to be separate unto, unto. something. Yeah. Deuteronomy six says, "I brought you out of Egypt mm -hmm. to bring you in mm -hmm. the promised land." Yeah. So, so I brought you out to bring you in. And I would not have brought you out if I did not intend for you to go in. In other words, I wouldn't have told you to give up basketball if I didn't have a calling and a promise and a destiny for you. So the very fact that you're done with that means that this is just getting started. And so it's, it's understanding that when God asks you to give up something, he wants allegiance he, he I wants love that word. us to I love that give word, ourselves man. completely to him. Yeah. Uh, I tell people one of the greatest one of the greatest problems in, in in the church right now is that the church is too free. Mm -hmm. I'm about to start preaching on this podcast right now. <laughs> well, what, what what do I mean? Meaning that. There is a difference between freedom and liberty. Mm -hmm. um, freedom means to be free without restraint. Yeah. Liberty means to be free within certain boundaries that the authority has set that freed you. And where and the, as a result, of the Lord is. Yeah. yeah. And as a result of that authority freeing you, he expects complete and total allegiance. Yeah. And so, so when we come into the kingdom, it's not enough for us to be free. We must mm -hmm. be bound yeah. to him. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people, we come to church bound and we leave free. That's out of the will of God. We're supposed to come to church bound and leave bound. We're just bound to something different. To a different, different power. What I, I used to yeah. be bound to sin, but yeah. now I'm bound to him. Paul, a servant of God. Yeah. yeah. Separated yeah. unto the gospel. Unto the yeah, gospel. Absolutely. A prisoner yeah. of the Lord it's Jesus everywhere. Christ. Yeah. He, he says, who the Son has set free is free indeed, yet he has the audacity to say, take my yoke upon you yeah. and learn of me. Yeah, yeah. And in other words, the, a part of maturity is taking a yoke on. Mm -hmm. And so we have to, when you get saved, that doesn't mean you're free to make any decision you want. Mm -hmm. it, it means you are bound to the master's will. And whatever the master wants you to do, that's, that's what you do. What happens and so next. people have this, 
this uh, thought process that when they come into the kingdom, they get to work whatever job they want, get to marry who they want, get to get in whatever ministry they want. That, that's not how God intended it. He wants to be your master. He wants to be, as Paul said, in him I live, in him I move, in him I have my being, where he dictates who you marry, uh, what ministry you're involved in. And so we have to get bound to our calling, where the calling dictates who we marry. Before I chose my 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 spouse, before me and my wife started courting, I had a questionnaire for her. Uh, I, I, do, do you see, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Can you see yourself traveling? Why? Because I'm bound to my call. And if you're not on that same path, then we have nothing to talk about. You see, I'm so bound to God and to the purpose of God that my life is not my own. I've been bought with the price. And so I would say we need to stop having uh, alternatives. We need to stop having options. Yeah. We need to give ourselves everything in us to the calling of God and say, and embrace the shackles. Paul said, you have obeyed from the heart, that form of doctrine being made free from sin and a slave mm. to righteousness. Yeah. I freed you to imprison you. Yeah. I freed you to bind you. And, and we have to embrace that because, and people say, man, man, it must be uh, tough being evangelist. I said, look, man, I love these shackles. Yeah. I don't want to be free. Yeah. I, I don't want to be free. I love, I love what I do. Yeah. And that's the thought process I've had throughout my whole walk with God. Whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to do it. And so our generation, we need to have that type of zeal and fortitude, whatever God says, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to prepare myself. The Bible says that, that a, a, a servant that knew not the master's will is worthy of a few stripes. But a servant that knew the master's will and prepared not himself is worthy of many stripes. So whenever God gives a calling and a destiny on your life, you have to commit yourself to preparation and giving yourself and everything in you to it. Yeah. But when you're indecisive and you're indecisive, indecisive, a synonym for the word indecisive, the synonyms are lukewarm, mm -hmm. settling nothing, yeah. open. Indecisiveness means you're lukewarm. Yeah. And Absolutely. so, so you have to make a decision and give yourself to that decision for yeah. a lifetime. I remember, and I think anyone with a call that has accepted that call has that moment of accepting, of uh, going back and saying, okay, put the shackles on me, God. Whatever you want to do, I'm going to do. Uh, prior to attending Indiana Bible College, uh, my dad had a very reasonable plan for me, and I should have a backup plan in case I had to work full-time in the secular world and part-time in ministry, as he did, as so many others do uh, in the apostolic movement. And I'm thankful for those. I didn't feel like that was what God wanted, but I, I did it anyways. And I tell people as the promotions director here, I'm like, you know what? If God has called you, do it. Trust him to provide the way both now for your schooling and later for, for your ministry, because I don't use a single class that I took prior to coming to Indiana Bible College, not for computer-aided pipe drafting, not for reading blueprints, nothing. Yeah. 
because I was bound by a call and that alternatives, that options that you were talking about. It's like, I'm not going to love God and stuff. I'm going to go. love God. That's exactly right. And so after I gave up basketball, uh, I, I had to work a job. You know, I had to work on a golf course maintenance outside in yeah. Florida, laying sod. But I could get through that because I was bound to yeah. God and bound to my calling. After I worked there, I worked at uh, Walmart as a cart pusher. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? I worked at Walmart as a cart pusher. Was I called to that? No. Uh, I worked, I, I became a youth leader on my local uh, church's uh, youth team. I was a youth leader. W was I called to that? No, but those are all essential things on the way to what God wanted me to be. I needed to learn and develop. After that, I was worked childhood development services as a substitute teacher. I worked as a substitute teacher for Marion County School Board. You see, I can get through the heartaches and the frustrations and the battles if I'm bound to something, Paul said, I'm pressing, I'm pressing towards something. I'm so persuaded yeah. of the prize. There's nothing that's going to deter me. I, I'm going to finish this course. And so it's having that type of determination to a cause where you're not easily tossed to and yeah. fro with winds or discouragement that makes you give up. Uh, and that's my word to people uh, listening to this podcast. If God's called you to something, make up your mind to give yourself to it for a lifetime. Be resolute. Yeah, be resolute where there are no other options and you may work a few jobs, you may go through a few valleys on the way to that and that's okay because God's going to use it to make your calling that much more effective. Just don't give up, give yourself to it. Man, that's such a good, timely piece of advice for people because we love, we love the immediacy of... Uh, instant likes, instant meals, service at restaurants. We love that immediacy, but the process that God calls us through, the, the process dictates the platform. And so if we, you're, so, you're right. That's so powerful, Brother Henderson. I believe the Holy Ghost is really talking I right now because I, because I was in Paris, Brother Henderson, and, and when I saw these paintings, these paintings were... Uh, I mean, they were like the size of this room. I mean, these paintings took two to three years to yeah. do. These artists, Brother Henderson, many times couldn't feed their family. And these artists couldn't feed their family, but you know what? They were so dedicated to their craft. Mm -hmm. They said, even though my gift isn't producing, yeah. there's nothing else I can do. Yeah. I'm an artist. But how many times today someone gives themselves to something for two years and if it doesn't produce, they say, oh, I got to find something else. Yeah. How many people yeah. get a call from ministry and after mm -hmm. six years, no doors are opening, they say, I got to find something else. Yeah. How many people get called by God and for 10 years it's not producing, they say, I got to find something else. Those artists said, I can't do anything else. It's who I am. And that's the type of commitment I'm calling for, for it to be who you are. Yeah, absolutely. That no matter if it's not feeding me, no matter if the door's not opening, no matter if no one knows my name, I'm going to do it for the rest of my life.
you you have a quote. I'm trying to pull it up here, but you may be able to know it on your website. Uh, that measure your success yes. by your devotion and not by your opportunities. Man, that's exactly what we're talking about right here. Yeah, through the process and the platform and and what is success? Yeah. Success is being bound to that call. That's exactly right. Yeah, and and and. Holy Ghost is moving right here, but you're not wrong. you're not wrong. But but one of the greatest things that happened to me, Brother Henderson, is before I ever preached the message, I taught hundreds of Bible studies. I learned the value of one soul. If you can teach a Bible study to one soul, you can preach to thousands. It's harder to teach to one than it is to preach to thousands. I promise you that because to thousands, nobody's questioning you. <laughs> they question no you when you're heads. done, yeah. <laughs> you know. But but when you're teaching a Bible study, they're asking questions while you're teaching. Yeah. So you better have enough word in you to give a response. And so, I would teach these Bible studies. People getting baptized, receiving the Holy Ghost. And what I would do, this is a valuable lesson, is I would text my pastor, and my bishop, saying, "Hey, such and such got the Holy Ghost. Such and such got baptized. Such and such got the Holy Ghost." And you know what? My pastor and bishop, they never responded to any of my text messages. They never responded to me. They act like they didn't even receive anything from me. I was like, man, am I doing something wrong here? And the Lord spoke to me and said, Victor, are you doing this to get affirmation from your leadership? Yeah. Or are you doing this for me? Because yeah. if you're doing this for me, you don't need a pat on the back from anybody. I learned a lesson there. I said, Lord, I'm not going to send them another text about who's getting the Holy Ghost and who's getting baptized because I get fulfillment in doing what is right, yeah. not people noticing that I'm doing what is right. It taught me a lesson for the rest of my ministry, Brother Henderson. I do what I do, not for applause, not to be noticed. I'm going to do what's right. I thrive in the shadows. I thrive in 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 that secret place with God because I learned it before I ever preached to give myself to that spot with or without affirmation. And, and that allows you to not be discouraged uh, if you're not known. I, I, don't, I, don't need, I don't need anybody patting me on the back. Yeah. I'm doing what God wants me to do with or without affirmation because I'm bound to it. We're living in a society where people get more gratification. They don't get gratification out of feeding the homeless. Mm -hmm. They get gratification out of being seen feeding the homeless. And we got to get back to getting a gratification out of doing the will of God yeah. over everything. Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, just in that last little bit about this uh, secret place in God, kind of thriving in the shadows and in those moments of, of greatness with God. What does that look like for someone who's traveling all over the world, all over the United States, preaching, pouring out, giving your heart to ministry, your life to ministry, your energy every single day? What does that recharge uh, look like for Victor Jackson? So, so there has to be a priority on family, uh, like we discussed on the way uh, to to this uh, family and devotion, uh, those things have to be priority because the ministry is gonna thrive out of those two places. Uh, my ministry thrives out of that private place of devotion with God, and it thrives out of that family time that I have with my family. That's why I'm able to do uh, 
what I do. And so uh, a, a day for me looks like waking up, having a prayer time, going to Starbucks, going to study. Starbucks is my office. That's where I get all my study. They're so nice to build you offices all over the world. <laughs> I know, right? You know, uh, uh, literally, it's amazing. Uh, I, I, I can't study well. I don't study well uh, being in a secluded office. Uh, I just get distracted. My mind yeah. goes, I open the refrigerator 10 times for no reason. But there's something about going, I treat it like I'm going to my job. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm going to work. And so I go to Starbucks and I sit down and I just go to work, you know, and, and no one's watching me. No one's uh, hovering over me to make sure I get study and prayer time in. But I have a self-discipline where I'm going to work when I go to Starbucks yeah. and I, and I uh, eliminate distractions and I just start getting to work. And um, I give myself to that and the rest of the day kind of flows flows out of that. Go spend time with my son, uh, do fun things with my son, take care of my, take care of my wife. Um, it, it takes a lot of intentionality uh, for uh, devotion uh, to thrive in that category. And so sometimes I can't wake up early because I got an early flight. I'm not able to do my devotion early. So I have a planner. I have a planner where I have certain times of the day where I'm going to get this time with God in. So it may be right after flight or on the flight I'm doing reading, but right after the flight when I get in my hotel, I'm going to have a time of prayer. I'm very systematic. I have a planner. I have three calendars. I have, I have like a journal. I have a notepad. I mean, I have so many things that I'm very systematic with my devotion life uh, because if there's not that structure, with the busyness, you'll never get to it. You'll lose it. Yeah, you'll lose it. So I treat my devotion like an engagement. I treat my devotion like, 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 because it's that important mm -hmm. to me. And I, I just, it's about priority. And so I prioritize it because if I lose that, my ministry uh, will lose its effectiveness. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so I give myself to those, those things behind the scenes. Yeah, that's incredible. Being, being with Jesus, right? That's, that's what he ordained the, uh, disciples to be with him and then to do everything else. That is exactly so right. Be with me first and I'll yeah. sing you to preach. Be with me first and then you'll get to cast out devils. That is the power uh, of of relationship. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just abide in the vine. Yeah. And, and if you abide in the vine, he said, you'll bear fruit, yeah. much fruit, more fruit, and last of all, remaining fruit. Yeah. But the condition is you abiding in in me. And so that is my goal every day to make sure I'm abiding in him. I can't manufacture the fruit. I just got to abide in the nope. vine. You're just a channel for the That's it. For the nutrients That's it. I to can't go out and dictate make the fruit. I can't yeah. dictate what happens. All I can do is just make sure I'm right with God. Make sure I'm spending time with him. Make sure me and him are good and naturally fruit is just going to yeah. flow out of that. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I, if people had the camera on my face, it would be smiles all the way because I've really enjoyed this conversation. One last question here for you. How can people connect with you? Uh, I You've got a book on Job out uh, dealing with kind of a theology of suffering. Um, where, where can we pick that up? 
Um, you know, uh, it's available on Amazon. Okay. Um, it's available on Amazon. Uh, there's some things that I'm working on that I'm going to uh, produce later uh, with the Pentecostal Publishing mm -hmm. House. Uh, I've been in contact with them. Uh, and everything that uh, comes in from that, it goes straight to She's for Christ. Every dime, every dollar goes straight to She's for Christ, which is for missionaries, church planners, uh, so many things, the youth division, so many, so many things that it goes to. And uh, it's just another avenue to get the word out and be a blessing to the kingdom. Absolutely. Well, we will link to uh, the Amazon that you mentioned for your book. People can help support She's for Christ and uh, enjoy your readings, writings, Instagram, Twitter. We'll drop all of that into uh, the show notes. And thank you again so much for your time and being with us on the IBC podcast. What a privilege. Thank you so much for having me. on-campus students at Indiana Bible College have the opportunity to study in three major areas, biblical studies, missiology, and worship studies. If you or someone you know is interested in any one of these three areas, we encourage you to check out www.indianabiblecollege.org. On the website, you can find answers to all of your most frequently asked questions. But if the answer is not there, fill out the form in the Contact Us section, and we will be happy to get the answer for you. Good news for all you listeners out there who would love to continue your education with Indiana Bible College, but simply can't make the trip to Indianapolis to do so. The Indiana Bible College Distance Learning Program is now accepting students who would like to continue their education, complete a degree, or just get an advanced certificate of studies. For more information on this and more about the Distance Learning Program, visit www.ibcdl.com.